0: Don't miss the latest stories and analysis about the future of education from the ReLearning Project. Sign up for the weekly newsletter at chronicle.com slash relearning.
1: Hello and welcome to the Chronicle of Higher Education's ReLearning Podcast, a weekly look at the future of education. I'm Jeff Young, an editor here. Do you remember Second Life? Ten years ago, it was one of the hottest tech buzzwords. For those who don't know what I'm talking about because it was a long time ago, it looked like a video game. It was this immersive virtual world, but it was designed as a kind of visual social network. The prediction at the time was that the internet might soon shift to be a kind of 3D animated realm and we'd all use avatars or kind of customized drawings that would be our our stand-ins in this visual world and we'd move around cyberspace by walking or maybe flying from place to place If it all sounds like science fiction, it sort of was, or at least it was kind of inspired by cyberpunk novels like Snow Crash. Major institutions invested real money in this vision. In 2006, it seemed like every big company was setting up a storefront in Second Life. And many colleges and universities invested tens of thousands of dollars building virtual campuses in this alternative digital reality. Today we're at another moment where virtual reality is being called the next big thing. Two years ago, Facebook bought a company called Oculus Rift. It makes a, a new kind of virtual reality headset. And it bought this company for the attention-grabbing price tag of $2 billion. And again, there's talk that we might be on the verge of leaving our physical bodies to join a more immersive internet. It will start with video games, but some are already saying that this technology will usher in a next generation of online education. That students and profs will soon be donning VR goggles to take online classes. Whether you believe this new VR hype or not, I've been wondering, what lessons can be learned from Second Life? Because Second Life is still going, and some colleges still hold classes there. You can still find professors who are passionate about the technology and about the idea of teaching in virtual worlds. Just how passionate are they? I found out the hard way. In 2010, I wrote an article for The Chronicle pointing out that some colleges were moving away from Second Life, arguing that the virtual world hadn't lived up to the hype. I got more hate mail for that article than for anything else I'd ever done. And in one of the strangest moments of my journalism career, I was invited to discuss that article in a forum within Second Life called Virtual Worlds Education Roundtable. About 100 people showed up in what looked like a giant outdoor amphitheater within Second Life, Most of them were avatars who looked like attractive cartoon people with hip clothes, though one wore roller skates and another appeared as a yellow submarine. So it was kind of a strange scene. Most of them were there to kind of yell at me. The organizers even considered having a virtual bouncer at the ready to kick out anybody who got rowdy or tried to vandalize my avatar. So during the event, a chorus of participants railed against me and and called me, you know, said I hadn't done my homework. Um, And the biggest complaint they had was that I had written that vandalism and sex chat could be found in Second Life and, um, and that actually it could be difficult to limit access within Second Life so that only students could get to a virtual campus environment. And all of that was true. But the professors floating around in the virtual world had, had thought I kind of exaggerated that part of the, of the experience and that I failed to sort of say all the good things about Second Life that they saw, that I clearly just didn't get it. A.J. Kelton moderated the virtual grilling. He's the director of Emerging and Instructional Technology at Montclair State University.
0: I recently asked him why that article hit such a nerve. And I do remember that meeting. I remember thinking you were a really good sport to even come to that, knowing that the response was probably going to be less than positive. But I think that it was really more of just these people sensing this this frustration in something that they really took to heart and they saw an article that was just like the articles that they were seeing in the times and the other places, uh, who were writing up similar articles. I know fortune did a huge article, uh, and it wasn't, didn't paint a very positive picture either. And you know, you can't blame the messenger for that. Right. I mean, it all becomes our responsibility to, you know, once the CEO or CIO or president sees that article in the Chronicle for us to say, okay, now, That's one side. Here, take a look at some of the work we've been doing. Uh, This is how we protect against that kind of stuff. So I think that that anger was misdirected. Uh, It just like I said, you were the face in front of them at the moment.
1: I pressed him further because because it really was a memorable, um, a memorable moment where people were just that worked up about something. And I wondered, why are there such true believers for this technology? Kelton thinks that the immersive nature of it plays a role.
0: When when people create an avatar for themselves, especially one that they can customize on their own, there is a sense of um, uh, I don't I, I, the word is escaping me at the moment, but there's a sense of belonging, the sense that 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 avatar actually represents you, and um, and people definitely psychologically bond to that avatar that that to the point where the research showed that people who experience something in a virtual world could also internalize that. And I remember this came up very specifically about um, a woman from Europe who had claimed that she was raped in a virtual world. And she argued, and I don't remember what the outcome of this case was, that even though she wasn't physically being raped, the emotional trauma of seeing her avatar in that situation was trauma enough and this was a, obviously a very hot topic to discuss uh but there is people do become very, uh, I I know people who every time they go into a virtual world, now I've never, I don't think I've ever changed my clothing. I think my avatar has worn the same thing for eight years, black pair of pants and a black Montclair State University t-shirt and that's it. But there are people who will change their clothes every single time they go in or if they go to a different event, they'll put different clothes on or a different avatar or whatnot because they really associate with that avatar. So, I mean, you'd need to ask a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I'm willing to bet that there is good research that. shows that you do associate with that. And this goes back, all the way back to role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, we, a, a whole bunch of us played when we were kids, that you associated with the character that you created. Um, and I think that this is just a digital extension of that.
1: Meanwhile, Second Life's creators are working on a new version of Second Life called Project Sansar, trying to ride this latest wave of interest in VR. I checked in with the CEO of the company that makes Second Life, Ebe Altberg, about whether he thinks educational apps will do better this time around with his new generation of Second Life than in the past.
2: What we're seeing today though is hardware is catching up, you know, the new VR hardware that allows you to have like a truly immersive uh, experience by being in the experience, not just looking at the experience. I think virtual reality will play a role where you can put students in context of places. I mean, the way I learned history in, in Back in my day, I mean, could it have been any more boring of reading textbooks about the Romans? I mean, take me there. I'm a much more visual learner. Take me to Rome and let me walk around with the Romans at that time and see what, what it was like back then. That will happen. Uh, it's already happening where I can actually go to places. I mean, in Second Life, there are communities that are both in the past and the future, if you will, where I can time travel and, and immerse myself into a different culture or a different um, different situation and where I will be able to work at a factory without having to go to a factory and, and, and work there or go to a different uh, culture and, and live with people in, at whatever time or place.
1: Okay, I'll say I still don't think virtual worlds lived up to that hype a decade ago. Some professors have found success, but the tech didn't catch on past those early adopters. And my main question to both Kelton and Altberg were why things will be different this time.
0: I think that virtual worlds have simply been dormant. I don't know that they ever actually went away and I, maybe dormant isn't the right word, but they're just in a deep sleep. (laughs) Um, because I know there are a lot of people who are still using virtual worlds in environments where it makes sense. Um, back then because of the hype, everybody wanted to use it. So it may not have been the most appropriate tool for people using it. And ultimately, no matter what, this is always about the teaching. It always has to be about the teaching and learning. If the tool does, fit the 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 need then it shouldn't be used for instance a, a medical it's a big deal they have these emergency rooms where an avatar will go in and has to do things in a particular order in order to be able to be evaluated properly you know first you wash your hands and then you do this and then you do that so they can assimilate that without Someone actually ever stepping into an emergency room, so so I think that there are still uses, and there will continue to be uses. And I think moving forward, as the technology grows up, it was it was ahead of way ahead of its time. As it grows up and becomes more accessible, mobily, then I think we will start to see a resurgence back up the the Gardner's hype cycle um, uh, of virtual worlds. I, I think that our immersion in games. Uh, is a testament to how willing the human is, w- is to, to involve themselves virtually. I mean, you see these young people playing their games. They're really into their games, I mean, into what's going on in the game. And I think that if that can be transferred into the virtual environment for learning, um, and I think that's true in the non-virtual environment. If we could get students as excited in the classroom as they are about playing and failing at the games they play, then we can accomplish something great, and I think virtual worlds are an excellent example of that.
2: Yeah, and and you will have gold rushes again, and some of them will will fail to succeed with this new gold rush. Like every every new major change in in I mean, just like the internet. Like I mean, how many people speculated what the internet would do, and how long did it take brick and mortars to realize? Like, well, this is kind of real, isn't it? Um, so it, it takes years for for people to sort of adopt, understand. Uh, and, and become sort of fluent in, in these of new ways of, of technologies. And, and trust me, VR is going to be one of those. Um, just like the Internet and, and mobile and a lot of other things have completely changed how humans communicate, collaborate, shop, and, and do almost everything, um, VR is just going to take us even further in the direction of, of the digital domain allowing us to do and be whatever we want uh, in, in all kinds of different ways. Um, now, I'm still temperate with, I think it's gonna take several years, uh, and for something many years, just like the internet's taking a long time to sort of start to really really change how we all, you know, behave and function on, on, on planet Earth uh it will take VR many years for it to have that broad of an impact. But but it will. It's just it's not if anymore. I think for a while that there, there was an if. But I think the if has been eliminated. Now it's just when. And it's pretty soon. Uh, for some of us it's it's a lot sooner than for, for others. But uh in, in general, like three, four, five years from now, it's gonna be it's gonna be everywhere. And it's gonna be uh, a new way that we prefer to to socialize, new ways we prefer to to learn, to teach, um, to 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 shop, to sell. Um, almost everything ultimately will be impacted by these new technologies because the, the the immersion when when you can let someone be anyone, anywhere, anytime. I mean that is ex- extremely powerful um, and. Just it's such a more ultimately such a more natural way to, to socialize and communicate. I mean this, this phone call we're doing here, this has been a way that we've been communicating for you know, I don't know, over a hundred years. I mean it and it's really weak. I have no sense mm-hmm. of what what you're doing right now. Are you confused? Mm-hmm. Are you in agreement, in disagreement? Um so and then so there's video conferencing, but that doesn't really work at scale either. So when you can get a group of people together in a shared space and uh, performing all kinds of activities together, that is extremely powerful. And then you start thinking about that's what we humans do. Um, it's what we're doing right now.
1: I know I'm risking getting another round of emails here, but with all the issues campuses are facing over representations of race and gender on campus these days, couldn't virtual reality add further complications? Or maybe that's the more all the more reason to create a realm where you can craft an avatar or identity any way you want. I guess it remains unclear to me what exactly the the goal is for creating these virtual worlds for education. And it seems like that doesn't always drive some of the experiments, which I guess is what Kelton and Altberg are saying, that the, the, the applications should be the, the foremost. And we'll see how it all plays out. This has been the ReLearning Podcast. This was the last episode of our first season, so we'll be going on summer break. But we'll be working on new episodes, and we hope to be back in the fall. Help us make the show better by answering our short survey at bit.ly slash relearningsurvey, or you can just find a link at our website, chronicle.com slash relearningpodcast. To share your thoughts on whether VR will play a role in the future of education, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash relearningproject, or talk to us on Twitter at relearningedu. If you like this podcast, subscribe on iTunes or take a minute to give us a rating. Today's show was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young, And our theme music was by Jason Cadell. Thanks for listening to our first season and have a great summer.